Well, that's right. We are welcome to join our Christmas party. It's going to be a four-week celebration through the holidays, and we have already started the party, and we're glad that you are here. And even though you are invited, you'll be surprised to know who is invited, and that's the gist of what we'll be talking about throughout this whole season. And we know that when it comes to the, the love that Jesus offers and the love that we celebrate in Jesus as God, Emmanuel, God with us during Christmas, we know that it is very open and very inviting for us. So we're going to celebrate that, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to have some fun with a Christmas party. Who here has ever already, already been to a Christmas party? Who here has already done with the Christmas parties? All right, well, we've got some. I guarantee they'll be fun. Uh, last week, we kicked it off with a great series, a great uh, message, and we kind of cast this idea of this Christmas party. Today, obviously, is our Jesus birthday party. Weren't the kids cute? And so excited. If you want some party hats, I think we've got a massacre of party hats out here. You can grab one on the way out. And uh, hopefully, you got a cupcake to help you celebrate, too. That's a great way to do that, and, we'll, and we're going to have some fun uh, for that. But let me just kind of set some ideas, set some ground rules so to speak. Every time in my house when I said, Mom, Dad, I'd like to throw a party, they say, okay, well, here's the rules. So, guys, we're going to throw a party. Here's the rules. When it comes to Christmas party here at Davidson Free Methodist Church, number one rule, giving is better than receiving. And we'd love to uh, give you opportunities to experience the blessing of giving this season. I've got three things that I want to kind of highlight for you. Number one, well, actually, they're all found out on the giving tree out there in the lobby. So if you go out there, you'll see this giving tree, ways for you to take an ornament from the tree. We've got three different kinds of ornaments. The first ornament is a gift tag connected to a candy cane. And excuse me. That gift tag includes a, uh, a gift suggestion that some needy family in our community has made aware that this is something they would like for their kids for Christmas. So if you wouldn't mind purchasing that, bringing that back in the next couple weeks, bring it back unwrapped, and then we'll package them all up, and we'll make sure they go where they need to go for Christmas morning so they'll have a great experience that you can do and help us out with that. The other ornament that you'll find there is a soccer ball. In my travels around the world, I've realized that soccer is the most popular sport in the world, and there is a ministry that we're supporting in Dearborn, Michigan with refugees, Syrian refugees, and they're throwing a soccer camp in February, and we'd love to support them to do that. So if you'd love to take an ornament there and give a donation for it, we're kind of asking for a suggested donation around $20. You can make that donation, and then we'll send those funds down them uh, down there where they uh, will put on this great soccer camp in February. It'll be a great time to partner with them. The final thing that you could do is a printout of a turkey who here has just had enough turkey. That's what I'm with you too. We're ready for something else. But we get to buy these turkeys, not eat these turkeys. And these turkeys will be sent to Haiti at New Life Village for their community to experience. And the cool thing is, is they get the turkey. They won't necessarily eat the turkey. They'll raise the turkey. The turkey will hatch little baby turkeys. They'll grow up to be big turkeys. They might eat one of the little baby turkeys. Don't tell them that story. But, but they, they'll have this great opportunity where it'll be turkeys, turkeys, turkeys. It's a great way to give back, kind of a self-sustaining and giving back opportunity. So you could grab one of those sponsor a turkey and have that go to them. So great ways for you to give. So that's rule number one. Rule number two is everyone is invited. That means includes you. And we include you to, to want to be invited, but not just for you to be invited, that we want you to express the freedom to invite whom you'd want to invite that might experience some joy and hope of Christmas here during this season. Everyone is invited. So we want that to do that. Next week we'll have a great opportunity where we'll celebrate our Christmas sweater party. I'm not calling any of your sweaters ugly 
but I will wear a truly ugly sweater. So you can't wait to see that next week. So that'll be our Christmas sweater party, so you can invite them to that. The following week will be our Christmas carol party. Isn't it great to sing some of these great songs that are Christmas carols? So we'll do that on that next Sunday. And then finally, Christmas Eve will be a great expression. So you, those are some opportunities for you to invite people to. And the final rule is that Jesus is here. And that's not really a rule, but it's just kind of an expression that we want to assume that God is Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. That's what Christmas is about. And so we want you to experience that here. And if we could help you do that for you and your family, we'd love to do that. We've got three suggestions that I would kind of uh, cast to you as opportunities for you to experience uh, Jesus within your own study or within your own reflection or within your family. Number one is a prepare him room weekly prayer guide. You can find these printed prayer guides that will walk you through scripture and prayer and reflections throughout the week. You can find them printed out on all these little tables out in the lobby. Just go and help yourself. If you want a PDF version, we'd be happy to send that to you. Just let us know. We also have the Magic of Christmas Version reading plan. And who here is on Version Bible app? It's a free Bible app that you can download onto your phone. And Davidson Free Methodist Church kind of works with them. We, we go live on there every week where you can find all your printout of all the announcements and interactions and giving link and all that right online through the... Uh, through the events part of the Version app. But one of the cool thing is, is you can join a reading plan with the rest of the people of Davison Free Methodist Church. So we have a reading plan out. It's going through all through Christmas. It's called The Magic of Christmas. And you can find that link on that app on your Version Bible app. We've already got about 20, 25 people that are interacting with us and sharing expressions and prayer requests on that. So it's a kind of a neat way for you to interact. If you want some more information with that, check it out at the welcome booth or give us a, give us a holler. And the final one is our at our Advent Cafe this past week, we unveiled a family uh, Advent devotional. And those two are printed out there and available at the tables. If you want to work with your family, some interactive things for the kids and for the family to do together all throughout Christmas. That is what we're hoping kind of sets the stage for what the party is all about. Last week we talked about this idea of Christmas party and we set the stage for what what Christmas could be. If you read the book of Matthew, which is a uh, Matthew was a, is an ancient manuscript written by an individual who was a disciple of Jesus and he was writing the stories of Jesus down for people to read and experience what they have. And some of the expressions of what we know as Christmas is found from the Matthew story. Who here knew that there were the three wise guys who came and visited Jesus? Right? Well, here's a little trivia question. How many wise guys were there? We don't know. There's only three gifts, so we assume there's three guys, but we don't know. And we never know they rode on camels, but I have a feeling the story just looks so much better with them on camels, right? I mean, what are they going to be riding in a Jetta? I mean, come on, it's going to be awesome. So that comes from Matthew. The, the story of the star comes from Matthew. The story of, of the pregnant teenager and the, the, the controversy of whether her uh, engaged boyfriend would divorce her or not comes from Matthew. We, we, we know these stories from this ancient manuscript. But what's interesting is Matthew doesn't start his story with the story of Jesus' birth. Instead, he chooses to start his story with a boring genealogy. 
Who here loves genealogies? Who here has ever started the book of Matthew and skipped those 16 verses right to the, the, the stories of the baby Jesus? I'm with you. Well, we, what we're going to do is we're going to enter into this genealogy talking about where Jesus came from, linking Jesus to Abraham, who was the central of the Jewish faith, but also more than that, linking Jesus to King David, who also was the prominent feature who Jesus would be later become the Messiah, the anointed one. So Matthew's kind of painting this picture, but as we learned last week, Matthew wasn't a good Jew. In fact, he was an outcast of a Jew. And because of that, all throughout his book, he sprinkles in these stories, amazing stories about how the most terrible people on the most terrible days doing the most terrible things find grace and mercy in the person of Jesus. And because of that, through this genealogy, he sprinkles in some scandalous characters. Let me tell you, he shocks you with what it goes. Let's read some of what this genealogy does. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, which means Christ or anointed one, the, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then he goes on to the genealogy. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Let me just say, that's a really cool name. Especially if your last name was like Dodge or something, right? <laughs> Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram the father of Anibadab. Anibadab the father of... Na no, Anibadab, not so much a good name, but it was right. Anibadab the father of Nashon. Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Now we'll go on and talk about others other weeks, but I want to stop right there. Do you recognize that name? Rahab? Rahab? Now, I bet you, even though this is a supposed to be a kid's Sunday. We kind of struggled with who we should talk about on kid's Sunday, but here we are. We're going to talk about Rahab, and I'm going to, in a moment I'm going to say Rahab, and I'm going to have you guys fill in the blank, okay? So Rahab the... Some of you were a little uncomfortable saying that in church, I know. That was a little, you got the little kid next to you, you're like, earmuffs, we got the pastor's talking, right? Rahab the prostitute. Maybe we can use the word harlot. Does that sound a little better, a little cleaner? I don't know. Innkeeper? How about that? That's kind of, I don't know where, but we know her as Rahab this. Rahab the prostitute. <gasps> now, why in the world? Would Matthew go out of his way to include this person, not just Rahab, but Rahab the prostitute? Come on, Matthew. Matthew was quick to say that Jesus doesn't just come for sinners. He came from sinners. And if he includes even the worst of the worst, he might include you. Rahab the prostitute. Do you know this story? Well, this story comes from the, the book of Joshua. Do you guys know that story? Or do you at least know the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Yeah. You gonna make me sing it, guys? Come on. 
And the walls came tumbling down. And there was Rahab the prostitute. And she, no, I don't think that's part of the song. I, I never learned that song. So in this story, you have the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, going in to the promised land. Before they get to the promised land, they cross the Jordan. And there is the oldest city in the world, the oldest city in history, the fortified, massive capital of Canaan, Jericho. And they know that if they're going to take this land, they have to go through Jericho. So they send spies in to check out the city. They send spies in to find out where, where the weaknesses are, to get some intelligence. And while they go in, these two spies find uh, a room to stay for the evening with an innkeeper named Rahab. And while she's there, word gets to the king of Jericho, and he sends his uh, guards to arrest these guys. So they show up at the door, and they knock at the door. When you're going to a house like that, you always kind of knock first, I guess. You don't just barge in. I just think. And so they knock at the door. They come in, and, and she comes to the door and says, Hey, like, hey, we know you have some spies here. They say, Well, I don't know where the spies are. And she actually hides them on her roof. It's really kind of an interesting story. And then they, she sends them out sends the guards out saying, hey, I think they left already, so, but if you head out now, you probably could catch them. So they run out, probably towards the Jordan River, and then she goes up and talks to them and says, hey, I've set, I've set them free, I won't catch you anymore, why don't you wait a moment or two and then go up into the hills for a couple days till they scatter, till it kind of dies down. But I know that you're going to come in and take this city. And when you take the city, will you spare me and my family? And they say, sure. They say, a life for a life. You saved our lives, so we'll save your life. So they tell her to light, to, to hold down a, uh, a, a red uh, cord, a red rope out her window to mark where she was. And then later, you know the story, the massive army of the Israelites show up and they circle the city seven times on seven days and seven times on the seventh day and then they scream and shout at the end and what happened the walls came tumbling down and they take the city but in that moment they spare Rahab this is what Joshua says this is Joshua chapter 6 this is how the story goes when they do it. Joshua chapter 6 verse 25 Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her family and all who belonged to her because she hid them in Joshua had sent to her as spies and she lives among the Israelites to this day now this is a kind of a cool story cool story that God would even accept a Canaanite a Canaanite woman, a Canaanite woman prostitute, that he would show her grace and mercy. I think that's a great story. But isn't it kind of interesting that while they're writing this, they actually refer to her after she's already been spared, after she's already been invited into, probably she's already got married to this guy named Salmon, and she's already kind of married, and maybe she already had the little baby named Boaz. When she, that Boaz would grow up and marry another person who we'll talk about next week, who actually becomes the, the father of someone, the, the grandfather of someone, and actually she... Rahab becomes the great-great-grandfather of David himself. They don't mention any of that. They call her Rahab the prostitute. Now, this bugs me a little bit. Don't you think this would bug Rahab? I mean, come on. I know that this is what I was, but it's not what I am now. Why do I have to live under this label? In fact, if you fast-forward and you read 
The God, you read some of the New Testament writers, the, the author of the book of Hebrews lists a whole list in chapter 11 of Hebrews of these people that we call the hall of faith. All these great examples of faith. And one of those particular persons is who? Rahab showed amazing faith. But they also say Rahab the prostitute. Then you go on to the book of James, the same way. James is actually comparing Rahab to Abraham. Yes, that Abraham. That they're showing the same level of faith. But even in his writing, he says it was Rahab, the prostitute. Now, I don't know what she has to do to get rid of the label from her past, but it seems like centuries later, she's still living with that label. I have a feeling that Rahab is done with this because I know in my life I want to be done with my label too now giving labels in the Bible wasn't uncommon we have some of these let's see if you can uh, fill in the blank here obviously we have Rahab the prostitute we have John the we have Uriah the Hittite some of you Bible scholars got that one down all right Alexander the we have Attila the we have Conan the, we have Buffy the, and Jabba the, yeah, you guys got, you guys know your Bible well, so, uh, we know these labels, in fact, I wonder if you have a label, I wonder if there's been a time that you did something terrible, or something was part of your regular experience of life that brought a label on you. And when that label came, didn't it kind of come with it a certain power over you? A certain definition to who you were? Wouldn't you love to change that? Wouldn't you love to be known as something different? And maybe your label isn't prostitute. Maybe it's Debbie the divorced, or Frank the failure, or average Amy, or Adam the addicted, or Dave the drunk, or Paul from prison, or Jenny from jail, or Larry the lazy, Colleen the college dropout, Philip the pornographer, Sherry the shopaholic, Greedy Gary, Ingrid the insecure, Angry Alan, hot-headed Harry and Gina the gossip or pick your name and what your label is those labels have power those labels begin if in our lives to kind of define us they kind of prop up this wall around us and some of it might be true I mean Rahab was a prostitute sorry innkeeper but she was that there was no denying that but how long does she have to live under that definition because if we agree with the label we operate in the label we walk in the road of the label under the power of the label the label that becomes this powerful figure in our life that brings definition to us and we believe what that label says or we try everything in our power to fight against it, to prove it wrong, to 
to say, no, 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 I'm not this, I am this. And we, we strive, maybe even with all our might, maybe even towards things that are out of our control to try to disprove what that label is. But deep down, we struggle with this. Deep down, we, we, we know that we're called this and we want to be known as something different. I believe with all her expression, Rahab wanted to be known as something different. But Rahab did something that was far more powerful than just simply saying, I don't want this label anymore. She actually put her faith, her expression into something more powerful than that label. She believed in something more than what the label said about her. In fact, let's read her story. This is Joshua chapter 2. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof where she hid them and said to them this, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in the country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, for you when you came up out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. We heard of it. Our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Let's go back to that verse. Now this is amazing, guys. I know this might just seem, well, that's really kind of cool that she says this. This sounds like something I would read in the Bible. Well, go figure. It's from the Bible, right? But, but let, me just, let me just give you a sense of, of what's happening here. You know, she is not a Jew. She doesn't know who this God is at all. In fact, her gods are tied far more to her label because in the Canaanite religion, it was all about sex. And she was serving God through her label. But in this moment, when she hears about these two representatives that represent a God that's bigger than her gods, bigger than her culture, bigger than her label, she jumps in and puts faith in God in an unbelievable expression. Let me just unpack this for you. You see right there in verse 10 where she says, We have heard how the Lord, and it's all caps. You know, I didn't add those caps. You ever read the Bible? And you wonder, why is sometimes the Lord's name all in capital letters? Do you know what that's marking? You see, in this expression, when God came to Moses at the burning bush. Go back to Sunday school for a second. Remember this? And in that moment, he asks God, what's your name? And God responds, you will call me Yahweh. Yahweh. That is God's name, the expression of God. And as the Jews would express God in that way, they wanted to show reverence of God, almost say that we're not even worthy to say the name of God. So they would replace that name with God with the kind of the Hebrew word for God, which is Adonai. And as they, over time, the scribes who were writing down this expression of Yahweh, not wanting to say Yahweh, wanting to say Adonai, but Adonai isn't quite the expression, it's just the word Lord, and anyone could be a Lord, it's not really God Lord, so how do we bring these two together? So what they would do in this moment is they would take the consonants from the word 
uh, Yahweh and the vowels for the word Adonai and mash them together and they would have this expression of a word that you might know called Jehovah. And Jehovah wasn't really a name of God, it was the, the title. It was kind of like when you're reading this scripture, you'd come apart this idea and you would say, oh, Jehovah, that's God's name, that's Yahweh, that's, that's who we're talking about. We're not going to say it out of reverence to him, but we can recognize it as a mark for him. Now, notice that she doesn't do this. She doesn't go the Jehovah route. She doesn't go the Adonai route. She goes right to God himself. She says, this God is the God that I want. I know that this God is personal. That he's done amazing things. And I want to be with him. Now, here's, oh, here's a greater expression, okay? Here, here's even more weight of what this is that I don't think we can fully grasp, okay? Skip down to verse 11, okay? Right there, the very last phrase, for the Lord, there's that word again, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. This became an expression of true reverence and faith in Yahweh. In fact, it became such an expression of true faith that only the really, really high faith people have it. Do you know that this expression, this phrase right here, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below, is mentioned only three times in all of the Old Testament. The one time Moses says it, one time King Solomon says it, and the other time it's Rahab the prostitute. Do you realize what she's doing? She's expressing, she's putting all that she has, not in her label, not in her past, not in her old religion, not in her old ways, but she's saying, I trust him completely. The word, Lord your God, is God, is listed four times in scripture. Just that little phrase, Lord your God, is God. Once is Rahab the prostitute, other one is the righteous king Jehoshaphat, one is the psalmist in Psalm 100, and the other time is from the prophet Jeremiah and the prostitute do you realize what she's doing she's entering in all and saying the, the label doesn't matter my God matters I don't know who this God is but he sounds awesome and I'm going all in I'm going all in there I'm even gonna to, to utter the very name of God himself because I want that not what I've been called my whole life. The hard part is, is she keeps getting called it. But I don't think that matters. Because as you buy into the label, as you put power in the label, you give that label power to, to, to not just define what you did, to deserve the label, or what you are right now, even if you're not in that label, but if you give power to that, you live that, it changes your future. It forms your future. It, it makes it who you are. Guys, there's one truth that you need to know about your label when it comes to the future. This is the truth here. Can we put that up? This is the truth here about the future. What's true about your past doesn't have to be true about the future. Just because you were like that in the past doesn't mean you have to be like that in the future. Just because you've been called that in the past, just because you're called that right now, just because you'll be called that in the future doesn't mean that's who you will be in the future. That's what Rahab knew. 
That's what Rahab knew about the power of this God. Guys, 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 listen to this, okay? When, when the authors of this Jesus church, as they would encourage people, when they would reflect them, remember Rahab. Oh, yes, Rahab the prostitute. No, 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 no. Listen, guys, I know you call her a prostitute, but listen to what she did. This is what, this is, what is said to her in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this to her. It starts out the chapter by saying this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we do not know. We know, we don't know what's on the future. We don't know about this God. We don't know about his power, but I want it. And I'm going to put my faith in it. I'm going to put my definition of who I am in it. I'm going to trust him and what he says about me, what he knows about me. That's this faith that I have. And I put it there instead of my label. And then she skips down in verse 31. By faith, by this faith, the process of transferring power from the label to Yahweh, the label to God, the label to Jesus Christ, his only son, God with us. She shows this faith that ends up saving her. In fact, this idea of salvation through this transfer of power is picked up by the, by the author James. This is what he says. You see that Abraham's faith, yes, that Abraham, the father of all of Judaism and his faith, he blended his faith and put it into action. Let his faith in this God motivate him and live his life accordingly. And when it was done, it was considered righteousness by what they do, not by faith alone. The combination of faith and action is counted as righteousness to him. In the same way, was not even Rahab Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did. Not because of who she was. Not because of what people said she was. Not because of what she says she is. But because of who God says she is. Ben, come on up. Come on up. We're going to close in this way. You guys got to get this, this idea down. This is my prayer for you. As we walk through this expression of God with us, the power of this God living with us, you have to know that it doesn't matter who others say you are. It matters who he says you are. It doesn't matter what the labels you wear. It matters how he sees you. Do you know that he says that you are loved, that you are accepted, that you are forgiven, that you have future, that you have a hope, and we celebrate all of that in Christmas, but it really doesn't mean anything unless you walk towards it. You put your faith in it. You believe it, that it's true. So, yeah, it'd be great. It's great to know that God loves me. My prayer is that you believe it. It'd be great to, that you know that, that God doesn't see me as broken or hurting or whatever label I, I, I tend to, to wear, whatever label I try to hide. But my prayer is that you believe it. Do you believe it? So we're going to sing this song that we have, and, and, and I'm going to ask them to kind of sing it over you, and then in the middle of it, Tammy, if you could kind of just invite them to sing it with you. And the prayer is that, yes, you recognize what God did for you 
the way he sees you, the way he loves you. But then you start to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust that. Not what the world says, not what people say, not what my history says, not what my mistakes had, but I will put my definition in the way that you see me. And I believe. And I believe. <coughs> Father, come in your power in the only way that you can. Father, I pray for the individual who's drowning under this label that they've wore for years. And they desperately desire to be defined as something else. And even though they feel like the whole world knows them, the whole world knows them on their worst day and in their worst moment. Father, I pray that you would speak hope that that's not the way that you see them, that you see them as loved, that you see them as accepted, that you see them as invited, that you see them as included, that you see them as welcomed and purposeful and good and accepted and not forsaken and not forgotten. Father, that your label of love would, would defeat the power the label that we bear. And when we come in just a moment and we come face to face with God with us, God Emmanuel, that we would know what you say about us and believe it. Know that we are loved and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every?
misplaced you, he's not moved you aside because of what you've done or what people call you. He sees you as accepted. And our hope is that this Christmas, you know that you're on that you're accepted. He wants you. And we would love to have you here too as an expression of his love to live that out. So receive the blessing as you go. Father, bless these your people. You're accepted. You're approved. You're loved. You're invited. Father, help us to walk in the faith of who you say we are, not in the labels that we've experienced in our lives and some are experiencing right now wants to walk in who you are and believe in that and to say yes I, I believe so Father bless these your people the sense of your love and sense of your grace and mercy that you would be God God with us I bless them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen Amen we love you guys love to talk or pray we're here for you Grab a cupcake on the way out. Happy birthday, Jesus. We'll see you next week.